0: This week on the Carrie Allen Picture Show. You look back at everything in your life because it's such a rich history, man. I mean, I mean, people, I know that there would be people that would be envious of what you've done and who you've worked with. Like, you really have done a lot and it's incredible. Uh, are you ultimately happy? If I can go back to my child self and tell him
1: all the cool things that I got to do in my life. be
0: blown away available on youtube and wherever you listen to your podcasts
2: i'm sylvia black and you're listening to radio eight ball with andras jones
3: radio 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 eight ball radio we're Radio eight ball give us a shake We're here in the store.
1: Welcome to the Radio 8 Ball show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio 8 Ball season 3, the happening, happening, happening,
3: happening, 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 happening.
1: Where we are engaging the Pop Oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app if you're an iPhone user. It's free and allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations, just as we do here on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen Pop Oracle song of the
0: day. On last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, James Combs asked, Does the moral arc of the universe bend toward justice?
1: And received as his randomly chosen answer from the pop oracle, Schlitz, recorded on Radio 8 Ball at the Monkey House in Berkeley, California on October 16th, 2018,
3: by Ira Marlowe. go around once in life. go around once in life. Ira,
1: unfortunately, was unavailable to be on the show this week, so we will be joined by Sylvia Black, who will discuss James's reading, Ira's song, and ask her own question to the Pop Oracle. Sylvia, whose latest album is called Twilight Animals, has been on Radio 8 Ball multiple times, and last week, James Combs and I discussed A Dream of Mine, in which she made an appearance.
0: Then, since, since you tape. The Pat episode, have you had any intense dreams you want to tell us about? Uh, actually, oh my God. Well, I don't know if you're going to get a kick out of
1: this. I think I, I, dream, I, I, I sort of d- figured it out. So I woke up with this in my mind and I was just like, uh, the last thing I remember was I was at this, I was someplace and someone showed up and someone was singing and they were like,
3: I want to see Sylvia Black.
1: And I think (laughs) it was my mind somehow putting together the fact we were in this altercation. We were in this like limbo state where we were having, I was just having, we were having feelings and I was missing being around people and I was feeling all this white guilt and just feeling so much like all this like compat. like, well, I want to do something to like help. I want to do something to help. So my subconscious had Andy Dick come in, (laughs) I think, and kick you off the stage to, and make us listen to Sylvia Black, which is no, which is wonderful, you know. Uh, and it almost kind of happened. It didn't really happen that way in the dream, but he was like, you know, uh, it's just something.
0: That, I, did Sylvia? Did Sylvia Plath make it? No, appearance?
1: Sylvia Black. Sylvia Black, who played oh, with oh, us. Sylvia Black. The, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes sh- no, no, at, I know, I know hotel. who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know. Her yeah, so, we've written a song right together. when she had a different name. So it was just that was you know. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that my the one dream I remember. Uh, involves you getting kicked off the stage. But it's kind of funny because uh, I guess that also goes along with the stuff in the last episode about about Pete Townsend and Abby Hoffman. I sort of made Pat Thomas talk to me all about this incident where Pete Townsend kicked Abby Hoffman off the stage and my dad was Abby Hoffman's therapist and Pete Townsend is kind of like a rock <laughs> and roll father figure. So like you, you could really unravel the dream and make it, it's like, it's this amazing, like the resonance of the poetry is all very important to me and probably uh, to you is just like all you remember is like oh, Andros had a dream about me getting kicked off the stage. But really what it was about was saying, hey, white guys, step back. Let's all just take a step back. Except Andy Dick, because it's impossible. You can't make him take a step back. And let's listen to what Sylvia Black has to say, because uh,
0: because it's her turn. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really on the nose dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's like kind of like some dreams are like. Really abstract, and some dreams are just like really direct. Like that's a really direct kind of. <laughs> yeah, movie.
1: and I rarely, I really, I, I really, and honestly, that was me again, me doing detective work. I really just remembered someone coming in and being like, "Hey, I, get out, know, get off the stage. I want to hear Sylvia Black." And then I just yeah. sort of, you know, maybe that's how it was, or maybe that's what I made of it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I like, I mean, I don't know about you. I almost never have dreams that are that direct, but when some super direct dream happens, like it really kind of makes you like mentally sit up, you know, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like, like when you sort of articulate back to yourself, what happened in that dream, you're like, oh my God, that is completely, you know, my subconscious telling me, you know, about this moment or, you know, telling me that I need to, you know, change or, you know, some big, you know, kind of, big moment things happen in those very direct dreams.
1: That was me trying to explain my dream and the party at the Biltmore Hotel that inspired it. We'll talk about both the dream and the party with Sylvia, as well as about her experience of the whole thing. But right now, I just want to share with you my most moving synchronicity of this show. This is going to require me to explain just a little bit of the mechanics of recording these episodes. You see... In the main portion of the show, when our guest asks their question to the app, as soon as they get their randomly chosen answer, I can listen to it with them, since I have all the songs here on my computer. But when we go behind the Patreon curtain to record the bonus episode where I ask my question to the app, there's this odd liminal space that opens up in which I have to take a few minutes to email them the song. My internet is pretty slow, and invariably, this is when the conversation just takes on a different tone. Probably because it's when my guests sense that at least for a few moments, I've switched from host mode to producer mode, and they get to take charge of the conversation, as Sylvia does here. It will take... the amount of time it takes a watched pot to boil.
2: So, did you say you were raised around a lot of women, or you were raised by a lot of women,
3: or
1: yeah, which my yeah, around a lot of women, and Olympia's riot girl country, and my mom was just like the was just a very sort of active sort of feminist and organizer and
2: and who were the key males in your upbringing? Oh, well,
1: my dad and my grandfather, my dad. Was definitely more of a. If he hadn't had so much, like he there in his world, he was the profess, he was a professor and he was very well respected and he had a lot of privilege and respect. But in terms of the who they were, he's definitely more of a quiet. He was more of a quiet, shy guy, and she was the the revolutionary. He wrote books mm-hmm. and taught classes, and she. You know, raised me with a, a the a requisite amount of rage at the injustice of <laughs> everything, including her situation with my father, which is all kinds of confusing. Uh, they they didn't mm. end up staying together, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And he's now he's no longer with us. But uh, and then my mm. grandfather was like a, a a true patriarch in like the best. And some of the worst, but mostly the best senses of the word. He was like this brilliant scientist. Mm-hmm. Was the head of the engineering department at MIT for ten years and like invented really? laser, Was one of the, in, one of the people inventing laser technology.
2: Do you know what years? Both of my parents. Went oh, they MIT. they
1: probably would know. it. He was there from nineteen fifty to nineteen like ninety five.
2: Well, what was
1: his name? Louis D. Smullen. Sollin, Smullin, S M U L L I N. Yeah, if they went there and they were in the, in, if they were in the engineering department, computer engineering, or just heart, like just that was their, and they might even be aware of him anyway. He was.
2: Yeah, my mother studied engineering at MIT. My dad, his passion is engineering, but he was doing theoretical physics there.
1: A few hours after recording this episode, Sylvia got back to me to let me know her folks did, in fact, know my grandfather at MIT. This synchronicity, like someone else's dream, may not mean much to you, but you better believe it has had a profound retroactive impact on my experience of the whole show. And speaking of having a profound retroactive impact on my experience... Have you ever wondered how you can help more people find Radio 8 Ball? Well, uh, I think I've told you before. But the best way is to leave a review, a positive review, for us wherever you get your podcasts, particularly at Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave a review there, which includes your synchronicity story, I will read it on the show. Uh, Also, I always encourage... You to download the Radio Eight Ball app. It's uh, free, so there's really no excuse for not downloading it. It's full of all the songs recorded in the history of Radio Eight Ball, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool tool. So you should get it. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, the Patreon episodes. Yeah, the, the the Patreon episodes are just getting better and better. The questions. The it really is. Once we close that curtain things just get pretty intimate and it's only a buck and so uh, and and uh, as good as this particular session with sylvia is i really do think that when we get behind the curtain on this one we get into some topics that i think you're going to find interesting and i hope that you come and join us there if you do join our patreon campaign i'll give you a shout out on the show And if you haven't already, please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast app so you will get our episodes as soon as they are released. And before we get down to digging into some synchronicity with this week's guest, let's do as we always do and kick off the musical divination with the Pop Oracle Song of the Day from June 15th, 2020, the day I had my conversation with Sylvia Black. And that's my song, Absolutely No Sense of Humor, a song the video for which features a cameo, From this week's guest, Sylvia Black. There's a comedian in this town who gets mad if you call him a clown, even though clown's just a synonym for his
3: profession. So let's just call him Sam, the big comedian, with absolutely no sense of humor about the word clown.
4: Will he change?
3: Funny me you probably think it didn't well I did this guy the grave injustice of inviting him to do my show it didn't go as well as he hoped and he blamed me for the whole situation in an angry after show text that led me to mutter under my breath oh. I made the clown sense of humor about the word clown. So if you see him clowning around, don't make the mistake of calling him a clown, even under your breath when he's not around. He might chase you down the street outside of Obsidian, that's right, shouting and threatening man, he won't be kidding, he'll be looking for a fighter when it happens to you, I believe that it's true.
1: are on June 14th, 2020, hanging out, doing some pop oracling with the fabulous Sylvia Black. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Thank you
2: once again, Andras.
1: Now, I will have just explained it, so maybe I don't need to explain it again, but you were you were chosen to be here by a dream and a synchronicity, and uh, and because of that, you were discussed a, a, a certain amount, all, all wonderfully and glowingly on the last episode, and so it just seemed... Uh, like I said, through the through the course of synchronicity, that because Ira Marlowe was unable to attend, we were looking for someone to appear in his stead, and you seemed, like I said, chosen by the pop oracle. So, as I ask all the guests, how and where are you pandemicking?
2: Um, I've been hopping around. So I I started in L.A., where I live. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay there. And then um, when it got too much for me, I bugged out to Texas to a small town and spent a couple months there and my mother's in northern California so I kind of go back and forth between LA and and her and looking forward to going to Texas soon again.
1: What small town?
2: Uh, It's called Smithville. Sounds like a a very anonymous name but that's the name.
1: Well you're talking to a Jones so... Uh, oh
2: yeah, well. <laughs>
1: the Smiths and the Joneses. I don't want to
2: put everything out on blast, but yeah, we're we're somewhere around Jones Road, also.
1: Ah well, okay, well there you go. We're not as generic as we seem. So you've been hopping around, and has the has the pandemic affected your life significantly?
2: Well, I'm just at that cusp, like on the edge of my life where I feel like I'm transitioning into being an older person. <laughs> it was kind of old almost. And I don't mind not doing a thing. Fortunately, my job has always been online so nothing changed there. My classes were half the time online. So really nothing has changed for me in that regard. I'm happiest when I'm at home with a computer. I'm unhappy when people ask me to go out and do stuff. So I'm, I was good with that part. But the whole COVID thing, all of that, really got me stressed out um I'm also a little paranoid so I just delved in quickly because I had to go on tour at the top of March with telepop music and we were hitting the hot spots Seattle Chicago we're doing festival you know it's just like and they were coming from France and I said you guys I'm gonna charge you a corona tax for doing this tour you know and they just laughed it off and and I you know I had all my podcasts and my N95 and my vitamin C, I mean, I, I went deep into it. I had cytokine suppressants, I like just the whole thing. And they didn't understand what I was talking about at all. So I was just like the crazy lady on tour. But that was a catalyst for me just reading tons of news and finding new news outlets and just really not being able to sleep and reading a ton of stuff. And I think I've probably learned a lot more in the past few months than I have in
3: years.
1: Huh. Well, that's that's kind of great. I mean, that's kind of the function of a virus on the body in a way anyway. It forces the body's resources to fight back. And if you overfight back, that can be toxic. And if you underfight back, that can be toxic. But if you find that balance where you realize, oh, there's some weaknesses here. And now the body had to go and shore up those weaknesses, like areas of maybe where, like you said, where, you know, where there's stuff you didn't know. Now, you know, stuff in the same way the body is learning new ways to live in the world when a virus attacks it. So that's kind of a you know, hey, I'm right. the, the my, I'm the metaphor guy here. That's my that's my job.
2: You're uh, the what guy?
1: The metaphor guy. You know, oh, synchronicities, okay, dreams, no, metaphors. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah.
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, should I smoke now? Like, I can't tell if I should smoke now or later.
1: Well, you know, feel free to join in at any time. Yeah, okay. So, uh we should talk about the the synchronicity that brought you here, because, and especially because of what you just said, I, I feel like uh, in telling this story, I guess I owe you an apology and a great debt of thanks because the dream that I had that you were in, as I unpacked it, it made me realize that it was a my dream reflection of the party that you and James and Andy Dick and Pete Molinari attended. When mm-hmm. I was at the Pod Movement Podcast Festival and I was trying to hold this great schmoozy party in this really nice room in the hotel, and Well, yeah, I you had sh- a
2: lot of moving parts to take care of. So I don't think you owe me an apology. For well, anything, no, but, but
1: I yeah. invited you out to hang out with people, which you said you hate mm-hmm. to do. Uh,
2: well, I can make an exception. I can make it, see it's not always quality people. That's the difference. It's very rarely, you know. I was happy to do that, and you know, I'm a fan of Andy Dick, so I
3: ran over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. E- twice you have you have come out of your house to three times i guess i maybe wait four because of uh, the time you were on as a guest on Gabriel's episode right you came into right, the studio yeah. for that yeah that's four yeah. times you've come out of the come out of your house for the show Hugh, i just even quality people we take a lot of energy, and I know this, this show takes a lot of energy. So, But there is that. I wanted to also just sort of unpack that dream and that story. So the story of the party is what I was just saying. There's, for me, there's this thing of a great lesson in synchronicity that I constantly learn is that I had this intention for it to be <laughs> one kind of party that was full of all these other podcasters. And uh-huh. that didn't happen. And what ended Mm -hmm. up happening was that the people who responded, who I sent this out to, who were the guests, like you, again, you and Pete and James, all responded, Mm -hmm. and it ended up being the perfect combination. And Mm -hmm. Andy sort of only showed up at the last, you know, as a potential at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And so it was just one of those things where just, yeah, you set an intention and then really be open to the possibility that the failure of your intention is the success. Right. I can't imagine it would have been a better party. And obviously the synchronicity of James getting picked last time and me and you and my dream was obviously something that was so potent to me that I got everything I could have possibly wanted out of a great Hollywood party. Plus all the ghosts were able to have, there was room for all the ghosts there without so many people.
2: <laughs> well, same here, down to the song that was chosen for me to play. That, that, that was the song I originally intended on playing that was the only song until i realized that the terms where you have they're gonna spin a wheel and pick a song and i was like okay so i gotta prep all these songs i was just hoping that one came up and it did
1: and it was great it was great and as i said before you was what was the name of your vibes player i I wanted to credit dylan dylan yeah you and dylan arrived in in an uber with uh with with a bass guitar an amp and vibes and yeah. as well, like that was yeah. just, yeah, that was a very, uh, I don't know, I, as a musician, just I think any musician in the world, no matter what they play, has to sort of like nod their head and be like, that's
0: that's serious, <laughs> that's commitment.
2: I, I tend to overdo it sometimes. I go the extra mile without even knowing it, and then you get to the location and you got to deal with all the x factors of transporting, but we made it.
1: Yeah, yeah. He made it, and it was beautiful, and we conducted some some fantastic musical divinations in that room, and created some memories that obviously were pretty, I mean, we're still talking about them, so it was pretty potent.
3: Yeah.
1: So usually it would be Ira Marlowe who's here to discuss how his song answered James's question about, mm-hmm. uh, does the moral arc of the universe bend towards justice? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Ira didn't want to do the show for reasons I totally respect. Mm -hmm. But uh, So you're you're here in his stead. Do you have some insight into how that song might relate to that question or any synchronicity that's there for you?
2: Well, I think it's a kind of... It would be kind of a typical answer that if there were a god...
3: I don't know, but I used to hear Man's as good as his favorite beer. My favorite beer was Schlitz. Or great
2: universal force would give in a comical way that leaves it up to you to answer because I feel like the universe doesn't have a morality, but humans are social animals, so we need to have a morality to survive. And um, it was... To me, it was comical. Schlitz was like, it was was just kind of a a, a soothing answer, kind of like a mother singing a lullaby to a baby. baby. And it was, um, it wasn't anything definitive, but the universe can't really give us that answer. I feel like it's up to us because the universe doesn't have a morality.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's like the, the Buddhist thing of like, what's the meaning of life? Clean your bowl. Drink your beer. Is
2: that like Jordan Peterson, clean your room?
1: I don't know if that, I don't know if I, uh, I know that, uh, you know, I I got the message that Jordan Peterson was toxic before I ever heard anything that he'd said. So So you don't, you
2: haven't listened? (laughs) Okay. You know what?
1: I've, I've heard him come up and I've actually listened to a debate that he did with the philosopher uh, Zizek that was Mm -hmm. played on a philosophy podcast that I really like. Just jumping in here really quickly to say that the philosophy podcast that I'm referring to is Owls at Dawn, and I will provide a link in the show notes to the podcast and the episode featuring the debate between Zizek and Peterson. And he Uh seemed, yeah, he just seemed like... uh, he like he seemed like a, a boxer going up against an Aikido master. Mm. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he's just he, like basically he's got two punches and he knows how to throw them really well, but if you're if you're dealing with someone who actually is fluid in their thinking, right, right, he was just getting destroyed with compliments all all night long.
2: Jordan. Peterson is unnecessarily complicated to me. It just, to me, if something isn't really succinct, then it doesn't come as close to the truth. You know what I mean? If you have to weasel your way around it and it takes you 10 minutes to do it, I feel like mm, you might be a little off track.
1: Uh, hold on a second. Weaseling our way around stuff for extra minutes is kind of our bag here on Radio 8 Call. But just <laughs> just to be clear, we make it very... Our, our motto is questions answered, answers questioned. There are no right answers. We claim no... Uh, No truth beyond whatever someone takes. We're thinking
2: out loud, but we haven't been invited to debate Jordan Peterson on stage.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I'd, Yeah, I mean, I'll leave that to to even smarter people than me. Uh, Like you, perhaps. I'd love to see you debate Jordan Yeah, no
2: way. I I don't have time for that. He he takes too long. Okay.
1: Well, (laughs) uh, speaking, I know your time is valuable, but uh, so... Okay, so that was the simple... The one thing I thought about was just the synchronicity with you was you were just talking about being from a small town or be, spending yeah. time in small towns, Smithville. Oh, don't
2: let time be a constraint today. I know that I put that on you. Forget it. You know? Okay. We're just gonna, we're
1: gonna... Awesome. You know, you just... I love it. A good bass player knows how to slow things down. <laughs> good. Actually, it's good because when I listen back to these and edit, I talk so fast. I just I drive hmm. it drives me... F- Friggin' crazy but i feel like i just have so many ideas i'm
2: so excited well i appreciate when people speak fast i just when i'm watching youtube how-to videos and it takes a minute of backstory and anecdotes to get to the point i just lose my mind and then when it's slow i'm just like oh no
1: you're keeping the tempo too you don't want to slow down too much keep it okay good yeah but like i said the idea the only other thing i got from that was uh I guess the the synchronicity for me that came out of that, and I I, I I don't know if I mentioned it in the bonus episode in the last episode or in this one, is just that uh, Ira and I were engaged in a similar kind of debate to the one that James and I were in in the last episode. And so honestly, it's made me want to drink a little less and, and get, get my head straight a little more. The, I, felt, I mm-hmm. felt a little bit mocked by the song for my, <laughs> for my attachments to things that were clouding my head. And I'm not saying that I 100% took that, but in the last, it, I feel like that, and also your uh, the way it came together in the conversation with James and the way that you have arrived here, I've just found something in the last 48 hours that is, I've been called to a level of clarity I haven't really had for the last couple of weeks or so and mm-hmm. and I hadn't really realized until just now that I've been sort of crediting you, but I actually, I owe Ira and his song some credit as well uh, because I guess probably that was there. Like there's something about like he's he is definitely making fun of Schlitz as much as mm. he said with a from a loving place. And I think that's probably how he'd like it if I could hear his tone right now, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. Okay. There's ways you'd like to mock me from a loving place that maybe I, <laughs> if I was a little more sober and clear-minded, I might be able to accept it that way. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So let So moving on to the to the the song of the day. There's another amazing synchronicity. So there's a comedian in this town who gets mad if you call him a clown, even though clown's just a synonym for his profession. You're. Your uh, appearance on this show has been uh, in—it's uh, been a, a little bit of a mystery about which day it was going to fall on right up until mm-hmm. the last minute, which is, you know, all great. I mean, I actually like it with uh, Radio 8 fall with someone who can flow with the synchronicities. That's how I approach this. Mm-hmm. You can't force things and never want anyone to force things with the show. And then because of that, well, this morning, I didn't know you were going to be on the show. And I saw that the song of the day was absolutely no sense of humor, the song (laughs) I wrote that you were in the video for. And and then I had to sort of go through this process of like, oh, I guess she's not going to be able to do the show. And then we spoke. And then you were very much into doing the show. And then you were into (laughs) doing it today. And then I realized, oh, my God, that's an amazing synchronicity that this song, absolutely no sense of humor, which... I am always wanting to promote, including the video, which right. features you and Andy right. Dick and, and Tuesday Thomas and Erica Russell and a whole bunch of other folks, well I guess maybe that's all of them, all of you, us, and uh, and that's the song of the day for today. So what do you think about, I have, well I already, that's my synchronicity, I just said, my synchronicity is that all of this is coming together and it just feels super charged and exciting and creative and like you, were, you this was meant to happen which is the way a good synchronicity feels. But Mm -hmm. is there any synchronicity in the song for you around today, anything?
2: Uh, I mean, I told you when I first heard the title that I love the title because um, the title itself makes me laugh. And, And I think in time, you know, humor is born from darkness. The best humor is. And I need humor right now a lot more than normal. And I appreciate people that can find humor in what's going on right now. So I I look at all that stuff and um, it helps give you balance and I think we need a lot more balance right now. So even the worst things can be tempered with humor. And when I run into humorless people, I feel like they're missing some sort of survival technique and it pushes me away. So um, yeah, I thought it was funny. Your song was funny in itself that a comic had no sense of humor about himself.
1: Well, uh, at the risk of being insensitive, what's the funniest thing that you have that you have encountered in, these last, in this last week or couple of weeks when things are just like at this fever pitch of, I don't know, terror and excitement?
2: I mean, sure, there's just tons of memes going around and, uh, you know, there's a lot of memes of like Pelosi and stuff on the left when they were wearing their African garb and people are just heightening it and hyping it up to another level given of like, Yeah, kid and play fades and like you know just full-on coming to america scenarios with them you know that kind of stuff cracks me up um there's all kind of stuff i mean i have i don't laugh on one side or the other i laugh i'm pretty much laughing at everybody and i think that comes has something to do with me being mixed race maybe this constant thing where i don't belong to one or the other but i belong to both and i'm in the middle and i'm constantly balancing or something like that so um There's really not much that offends me or is off limits.
1: Well, that's why you love Andy Dick.
2: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I just think think that personality is adorable. Other people get (laughs) offended, and I just think it's adorable. It's just like to me, it reminds me of a little kid. There's an innocence about it. He'll just say anything, and it's just funny to me.
1: Well, one of the things that I've, I don't know, I'll run this by you and you tell me if you think this is funny. So, one of the things. Obviously, absolutely no sense of humor. I'm a, kind of obsessed with it. It's this one, this this defining event that happened that kind of has blown itself or I've blown it out of proportion, but it's sort <laughs> of blown itself out of proportion. And now it's turned into sort of my like ode to Billy Joe. <laughs> like it's this, uh-huh. I've never done a rock video, put any, and now I have the only rock video I've ever really done. Other than live uh-huh. stuff and like sort of goofy stuff, like on video, actual videotape, I haven't really done a film. And then that the, this one came together the way it did. It's just all so sort of magical. And I've been trying to, like, I actually kind of would like to, I, I want to make a either a short film or a movie about the story. I just, I can't, I'm not uh-huh. done telling it. Uh-huh. So I have this story. I mean, do you know the story that basically, I mean, it's in the song, but there's this comedian and he someone else told him uh, that I called him a clown because they were in the room when I said I looked at my phone and I got an angry text from him already. And I was like, oh, I made the clown cry. I'm sorry. Like in (laughs) my mind, it was like talking to a tarot card. Mm -hmm. And then this person went outside and told him. Oh, and then he came in mad because I called him a clown.
2: Okay. The whole scenario is just funny. It's already. hilarious,
1: right? It's fun. Yeah. And so, but one of the things I've been doing, so I've, I've been listening to this podcast called the Michaud mission. I've just been like, I've been stuck in my house and I've been doing a lot of like going out in the streets and doing stuff out there when I can And when I'm home, I'm just watching stuff and I just want to watch black stuff. I don't want to watch white stuff right now. There's all these huge holes (laughs) in my in my in my awareness. And Mm -hmm. I'm listening to this podcast called The Michaud Mission, where they're doing every black film. And they talk a lot about what makes a film a black film. And Mm -hmm. it's just been making like sort of a a meditation in my mind is whenever I come, I'm always coming up with stories for movies. I'm always like, well, what would be if there were who what's. What's the point of view on us that's not from my point of view or his? What would be the black point of view on this story? And I was just, and I think it would be really funny if the person, the person who was setting us up, the sort of Iago in the story, was, uh, was a black woman who was just taking huge joy in what fools the two of us, the two, the me and the other guy, were making of each other, and how easy it is to engage our foolishness and set us up, and how that would be. I don't know. I just feel like that would be really, fu- like, I think that would be really funny. But I also like, who am I to come up with a black point of view on a film? I'm coming up with a black point of view on my own story because I think maybe that's just a meditation that's probably good in being asked of like white people, just to, just to be like, hey. Well, how would this situation be different if you were look, weren't looking at it from the point of view you've always looked at it from Yeah, you know And but then is it do you want to make it into a movie I don't know I, a lot of these ideas I'm like eh. but my question for you is that funny I mean, I mean could that be Yeah,
2: funny? Just, I mean in and of itself just her being a black woman you know obviously it's the writing and the you know all of that stuff. well I
1: also should tell you it's true the story is the woman who told him that was she's funny and adorable and I and I really like I guess I don't I still don't not like I still uh, don't not like her. I still like her but I I don't know. She didn't she got she picked sides with him and she's like she did kind of mess with me and I have always sort of felt like I just had to not think yeah. about that part and then I've been thinking about it and she's fucking hilarious yeah, I, I now. mean, to me
2: it, it feels in my it, mind. It, it, hmm. I mean it feels a bit juvenile if her intention was to just uh I don't know what her intention was. But isn't was, comedy you know.
1: to be juvenile? I mean, that is, like, that's the point of it.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, a like, lot of it. yeah.
1: Would you like to play the character? Would you be? How would you play the character if you were mixed? Would you be? Could you find that in yourself to play the character to mix me and if it was Andy Dick, because eh, you like Andy Dick and he's nice. But think of a comedian that you don't like so much. <laughs> And then, like, me, like, mister, like, can't let go of it, which is basically what I am in this. Like, this guy gave me a joke that I can't let go of. And I'm, like, OCD about it. I keep making things about this thing, which is just creating more and more trouble. And maybe, in my mind, in the story, she'd be egging me on. She'd be my friend and be like, oh, yeah, you got to do this song. Oh, yeah, you got to do this video. Oh, you got to do this movie. In the meantime, she's telling him,
3: Uh destroy him
1: kill him like ruin his reputation
2: (laughs) it's It's not very it's not funny (laughs) oh
1: god i'm sorry
2: I don't
3: know if I'm too often to at this moment to quite grasp
1: it. See, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's, why, that's where I usually get, because I usually am not talking to anyone, usually I get to a point where I realize this was an idea I should have just kept in my head. Well, I think we've explored the so the synchronicity of absolutely no sense of humor. What I, I'll tell you is I, just, I feel like I just want to keep working with you because it was so much fun to have you on the set and the way that you played with Andy. Yeah, if I end up ever making this movie... I want you to be in it that's all i'm saying
2: oh great i will i will definitely read for it and i would love to get that part you know i would love to be in in the movie
1: (laughs) i hope there's not only one part for a black woman in the film that would be fucking stupid (laughs) but (laughs) but (laughs) but you can you know whatever it is there's going to be a role for you in this film sylvia i mean you and tuesday at all it's the it's it's got to be meta you you were already in the video you're already cast i don't know what your role is you know i guess it depends you can decide
3: right. <laughs> It's met.
1: there's comedy in them thar hills and I'm going to keep mining it with this song <laughs> no matter how much trouble it gets me in actually the more trouble it gets me in the more I'm just like oh the, well this is funny people just don't know it yet like this will be funny <laughs> in the future comedy is it. tragedy plus time well I guess if this is the tragedy okay because given, given time this is going to be just massively <laughs> hilarious uh
2: So how do you get along with Andy? Because you guys are still friends after all these years and you seem, you seem like someone who's more careful and more chosen about what you say and and respectful or, you know, and Andy just lets it all hang out. How did you guys bond and connect? Where did your personalities cross?
1: Well, we met when we were very young. uh, And I, uh, at a point when I was kind of successful and he was, as broke as could be and desperate as could be. And I, mm-hmm. I pulled the thorn out of his paw and let him stay at my place for, mm-hmm. for a little while, eventually having to kick him out. And then he went off and became insanely famous. Well, not insane, became very famous very quickly as I knew he would, because that's why because I, I, the reason I let him stay there was because I just thought he was so talented and creative and I just knew he was special. And he knew that about me. And I mm-hmm. guess, you know, uh, My kink is talent and his kink is, you know, beautiful young boys. And so we were a perfect match as friends in that way. And, uh, and, but we weren't really, we basically fame tears people apart. So I didn't see him for years and years and years, but when every time I would, he was always just, he always was one of those people who like the, the lion who remembers, like I always was someone who we, when he was being mean to everyone else. He was a little bit nicer to me. And at a time when Mm -hmm. I was pretty down and out, he did a similar thing for me. And, you know, out of that, you know, that's that's where friendships where real friendships are made longevity and being Mm -hmm. there for each other when when it when times are tough. And uh, and also, I think I'm a great straight man for him. I I get how I get who he is, but I'm Mm -hmm. I'm offended as anyone by his behavior. Probably more than a lot of people, Mm. but I, (laughs) yeah,
2: maybe I haven't hung around him enough to get there.
1: Yeah, you're right. And at the same time, I've hung out with him for decades and even when I've been mad at him and had to put up boundaries around certain things to learn how to be better friends with him, you know, I never, I've never Mm. been offended by him because it's just so like, it's like being offended Mm -hmm. by a, like a. Firecrackers, like they're all gonna go off.
3: Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't
1: <laughs> spare anyone or anything. They're all gonna go off. So mm-hmm. you know, eventually he's gonna get around to your thing. <laughs> and just remember that this is like kind of like being friends with Don Rickles. With Don Rickles was queer and drunk and <laughs> and way, I think way better, honestly. <laughs>
2: So how is he always having girlfriends and, and wives and children? I mean, children. I Queerness
1: guess. is no, no. He's a, it's not just boys.
2: Not gay. No, no. It's queer.
1: No. Yeah. Andy is just a lover. He is a he is like Gore mm-hmm. Vidal. He's not bound by the laws of <laughs> mortal men.
3: <laughs> like, Wow. Well,
1: well, he is. I mean, I don't think he is. I think yeah. he where most of us break, he bounces. Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. I amazing. Do it. I've tried. Yeah. He jumps out of car. He jumps out of moving cars mm-hmm. when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Okay. He's
2: got something extra. Or yeah, he's
1: got
2: something yeah, missing. Yeah. Or maybe like I said, otherwise. where
1: where most of us break, he bends, and that's a um, it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, this isn't the Andy Dick gossip hour. I know he's your I know he's your hero. <laughs> you have a poster of him on your <laughs> we'll wall. Go
2: that far, but he's definitely. Okay. okay, yeah, I have a um, feeling whatever, but... Did they ever make Andy Dick posters? That I'm sure. Funny.
1: Well, I'm sure they made news radio posters. And I mm-hmm. and uh, Marilyn I, Manson did a painting of him that I think is still hanging one of his plays, something, yeah. Oh,
2: wow. That's funny. Okay, well, I'll
1: let you okay. get off of the Andy Dick topic. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, where were we? We are talking about Oh, absolutely no sense of humor, Andy dick all that. Okay, great. Well, moving right along, we come to your question for the Pop Oracle. Do you have the Radio 8 Ball app at the ready?
2: Yes, yes I do.
1: What is your question for the Pop Oracle, Sylvia Black?
2: Okay, it's not that heavy, but here we go. Will humanity survive beyond 100 years despite our
3: worst
2: traits it's done and send message for the moon mr jones and the previous
1: yikes okay well uh, that's, that's my old band so it's a very me-centric kind wow. of pop oracle day uh, let's listen to it and then uh, we'll talk about it
5: Let my love and body float upon the sea, and yeah yeah is hot and electric, in my heart it is. Gonna be here pretty soon, and I got a message for the moon. Yeah, I got a message. comes and lets
1: That was Mr. Jones and the Previous from 1991's Mr. Jones and the Previous Porch Music CD, our first CD, a song that is so wildly exuberant. I don't know whether to be exhausted or embarrassed, but that is the answer (laughs) to Sylvia Black's question. Will humanity survive beyond 100 years despite our worst traits? Uh, Okay. Okay. What do you you take from that?
2: Well, I'm going to take it as a yes. I'm just going to take it because I feel like, and I don't know if I have it completely right, but I feel like somebody's going to get pregnant. I feel like it's kind of saying that because there's some mellow parts in that song. You're just floating on a wave and then there's very exuberant, violent, raucous parts. And I feel like no matter where we're on that wave, she's coming over. And humanity is gonna keep on going, (laughs) no matter what is thrown at us. I feel like, uh, and I don't know exactly what I have a message for the moon is. I'm not. If that you tell me what that means.
1: Okay. Well, I'll just. So this is a very early song. Very early. It was 1991. My first record. Well, my second time going into the studio and having a batch of songs and making them into something. But the first time of actually coming out with it independently and. We actually did early, early, early crowdfunding where we had our fans uh, put up 25 bucks each until we had enough money to press it once we had, uh, once we put it out. But, but, uh, but the song is really about, it's, it's, it's not really a metaphor. It ends up being kind of a metaphor for my relationship to the feminine, Mm -hmm. but it really is specifically to the moon in the sense of no matter what else happens, you're coming back every month. I'm going to see mm-hmm. you, like, maybe it was just a time when I was feeling, like, lonely or feeling like something, but there was, it just, mm-hmm. I, I remember this moment, of coming out of my place, and it was so big, and so, it was just erotic in not the uh engaged on the second chakra level, like, sexual, but erotic in every way, in the most poetic sense of just, like, mm-hmm. having a feeling go through you of just pure pleasure at Mm -hmm. the experience of life Mm -hmm. and you know i haven't you know short of some very powerful medicines i don't know the last time i've felt that level of just erotic charge it's just being youthful so i think there's something there and That was in L.A. in 1991, and I was the age and of the spirit of a lot of the kids who are in the streets right now, and that was the time of the L.A. uprisings and a lot of my most passionate activism and sense of engagement and hope for the world, mm-hmm. and it's 30 years whatever, how many, however many years later, and I'm still... Here and engaged. And that song reminds me of a kind of energy. I mean, like I said, it's kind of embarrassing. It's so the eroticism, you're right. It just sounds like young male energy. Thank God Deb, Deb Pasternak is singing on this.
2: Women feel the same thing. <laughs> It's not embarrassing.
1: No. It's you know But it's so like ah! like at the end when that <laughs> the guitar solo is just pornographic in that sense. It's just like, okay, we're gonna just like this is a money shot. Um <laughs> and we were just unaware. You know, I think that's also part of it. I think where there's a mm-hmm. there's a sense of like whether or not we're aware of it, life will continue. And I guess right. maybe for me and like the when the, the part about despite our worst traits like that part that I'm embarrassed about now and I know led to so much trouble in my life energetically before I balanced myself out in ways that I still haven't. Uh, I just marvel at the audacity. I gathered a bunch of some of the best musicians I know to make that kind of just self-indulgent wank video. <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> It's like this. So it's a, yeah, I'm, it's one of my worst traits And also I wish I'd appreciated it more when I was younger because then it wouldn't have been been such a bad trait. And so there's something there about like having faith that our worst traits are also the source of possible energy and even even in making mistakes, like not getting everyone to the party that I wanted to get there, the party works out great despite that. Despite my worst trait of not being able to get the people I wanted there. I have this best trait of that when that I know how to somehow attract the even better people to just show up.
2: And it's a culmination of everybody's traits. And and maybe the balance is all in our favor. If you kind of take the mean, you know, look of everything, sometimes it looks like society's going mad, but you don't hear from the quiet ones. And if we take account for everyone, maybe things are actually great, you know, I don't:
1: know. On the level of the Moon, I mean, I think that's also. like I, I really meant it, and I still mean it. That is a love song to the moon.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And if nothing else, then in a hundred years I think maybe the song is saying, in 100 years, someone will be around to look at and feel that way about the moon on a summer mm-hmm. evening when they're 19 years old.
2: Or maybe they will have been born on right. the moon or somewhere right. on a space station near another. Oh, yeah, moon. <laughs> I guess you can,
1: You don't have to be on Earth. Well, humanity, you didn't ask about Earth. You asked about humanity. Will humanity survive? Right. Okay. Wow. Well, maybe then on a moon base? Y-
2: Possibly? Yeah. On a moon Who base? Who knows? Would you
1: want to live on a moon base? I,
2: it depends. How bad off is Earth, because <laughs> I think I'd rather be on Earth, but you know, if it gets too bad, it might make a moon base look Okay, good.
1: well, here's a so here's a dilemma. Being realistic, I mean, you know, we look around; things are going to get bad here on Earth. If, regardless of if we made a drastic change, which we're not even on the verge of making, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. do you take the helicopter off the Titanic? When it's when it's a sunny, beautiful day and Leonardo DiCaprio's <laughs> hugging your waist and saying, Top of the world or whatever crap. You know, <laughs> do you do you do you leave that and get on the helicopter and be like, I don't care. I know. I know how the story ends. Or
2: I know what's coming. I don't, I don't. do you go to the moon base it's when a it's really a good,
1: tough. nice day on Earth? Or do you wait around until there's no no room on the moon base?
2: I, I would hope that I would go. It's tough. Yeah. I feel like I have kind of premonition and I'm ahead of that, but actually having the premonition and acting on it are two different things, you know, and I've saw that in myself during this this whole 2020, kind of being ahead of it and being completely paranoid and aware and planning, making moves to just kind of falling behind on those plans so i don't know i would hope that i would go be tough because it wouldn't jive it wouldn't jive with reality
1: well i i i don't think i should go so you should definitely i would if if you would take the radio eight ball app with you i wouldn't need to go (laughs) okay all right i guess we you know what would you what what do you think you'd contribute i mean you have all these secret skills i think sylvia you're always training and you're going to school you're like i just have a feeling that in a in a you know there's only a few of us left scenario you probably bring more to the, the party than me i mean i can host a synchronicity huh. show and you know get get in fights <laughs> with people but i don't know if those are the skills that are required to you know keep humanity going uh,
2: yeah uh, what was the question well what do you like
1: what when if you were making out your uh, questionnaire like i'm to be on uh, i i deserve to be on the moon base what do you what do you bring to the, what do you bring to the party
2: I, I would just have them take a genetic sample and map it out and see what they say. <laughs> just, um, compare it to, to other people and see how it how it fares. Plus, I don't have kids, so I won't be too distracted. That's right. What are my skills? Um, I, I'd have to be tested, you know. Okay, okay, well. I just, I'm trying to be one of your skills is
1: humility, okay and you well that's i mean that yeah. might be actually maybe that's what it is you do give on give off it's not like you're holding anything back, but you do have that quality that' saying oh the great actors always seem like they're withholding something like there's some kind of secret there's mm-hmm. something about them that feels like no matter wh- how much they show you, there's something they're holding back that you just wanna mm-hmm. like why won't you tell me? What you're really thinking you know whoever movie <laughs> star humphrey bogart why you know it's like even if when you're totally overacting there's something you're holding back that, i'm talking to humphrey bogart yeah, maybe there's you. just
2: too much going on To it's like to maybe it's too chaotic there's too much to sort through and it's not that easy maybe
3: yeah
2: or maybe there's just more value like they always say in watching other people and, and listening more than talking who knows who
3: knows?
1: Well, certainly I don't. I have had to. I have very. I have had to work <laughs> very hard to to uh, train my instinct to move towards listening, even in the in the to the extent that I, I do, and I still talk. Uh, to I
2: you. I totally understand that. I understand that. My stepdad is like that, but you know that everybody's different. We all. Have the value, you know, there's he'll, he's a genius, you know, he gets shit done. He doesn't have time to listen to a lot of crap and it comes off, it can come off as rude or whatever, but he's just pragmatic about it and he does things that no one else can do. So it just comes with the territory. Um, I, you know, when everything was going crazy, I just had this feeling that everybody should take a micro dose of mushrooms, just the whole country, just a micro dose, not enough to go crazy, just enough to slow the hell down and think for a minute think from a different perspective for mm-hmm. a second just sit down and trip out for a second i, I was kind of hoping something like that could happen
1: yeah well you know that would make a general strike much more palatable to the common to to the to any person like oh you, it's hard to think about taking a strike day but taking a microdose day i think everyone's like i could yeah, use everybody can I think could use about, a microdose day yeah. i don't you know <laughs> i don't care what your political affiliation like,
2: oh i've I've been such a monster because of this issue I had when I was five and it's always been in the back of my brain and I never addressed, but here I am addressing it right now because of these mushrooms and, you know, the next day everybody comes out a little bit better. I mean, that sounds completely crazy and hippie. If I were to hear myself say that like six months ago, I'd be like, "What, what the hell's wrong with me? What happened to me? But, um,
1: well, that's what we're, I mean, in a way that is the intention of Radio 8 Ball is to engage psychedelic thinking without actually having to microdose. But if you focus Mm -hmm. on synchronicity and listen to music and maybe smoke a little or do whatever, you know, you could get it out of caffeine. There's people you can get out of meditation. You can get whatever you do to get yourself feeling groovy. Masturbate for an hour and a half. I don't know. Uh, Everyone has their thing. But whatever it is, you apply that to synchronicity. And yeah, the microdose is nice. But if you've already sort of mapped out that state at all in your mind it's Uh it's a pathway there and uh so and and definitely this answer has some psychedelic resonance for me it has me time traveling and Mm -hmm. i'm really sort of surprised again surprised and embarrassed that so much of my music has come up in your episode of course we're going to get to go out with a song of yours right? Mm-hmm. Are, uh, do you have some new material that you're going to share with us? And I me...
3: do.
2: And, you know, and I'm hesitant and embarrassed and it's current. Ooh. So I'm going to, <laughs> it's very current. So current, it isn't released yet. It's um album I'm working on producing for Lydia Lunch. This one happens to have my voice on it, but most of them don't. And so I was exploring more jazz writing and, and she's really into film noir and things like that. So it's kind of a, An escapist song. It's a little jazz noir, a little uh, little crime noir type thing. What's it called? The Devil Made Me Do It.
1: Ooh. The Devil Made Me Do It.
2: So I had fun. I arranged and wrote this. The only thing I didn't write were Lydia's words. And um, we have Dylan Ryan on it. We have Billy Moeller on it, on bass. Dylan Ryan on drums and percussion. And I played some piano I'm not a piano player, but when it comes to abstract jazz stuff, I'm really good.
1: Do you know what the Lydia Lunch record's going to be called?
2: I want to call it Black Lunch. She hates it. I think it's oh. perfect, but we have no idea yet. I think she wanted to call it Sex Crimes. Yeah, you know, she's really into all that. You know, the crime shows and
3: so she, I all that kind of
2: crime noir,
1: crime noir, and, noir and crime should they kind of go together. I always, I for some reason, I think of, I think of noir as being fictional and the obsession with true crime right. as being something else, but maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's just
2: like a, a it comes a fiction you know. in your mind because you're not, it's not really your reality. You're not really dealing, dealing with it. A lot of people use those shows to soothe themselves. Mm.
1: Well, the devil made me do it. Okay. Well, we're going to go out on that. And then we'll, if I, I really hope that listeners will come and join us to, on the other side where I'm going to ask my question and talk about something really exciting and intimate and scary. Uh, so don't don't get nervous, Sylvia. I'm just I'm just trying to just trying to prime the pump here. Thank you for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio Eight Ball Season Three: The Happening with our guest Sylvia Black. Please remember to subscribe to Radio Eight Ball in your podcast app. And if you like the show. Please help other people find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you tell your synchronicity story, I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store. And finally, I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign and follow us backstage for my Pop Oracle reading, where I asked, How much testosterone is too much? The patreon link is in the show notes we're going to go out with the new collaboration from sylvia black and lydia lunch the devil made me do it and with that i'm out until next time i'm your host andras jones wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities connections with the natural world and all the inspiration you can handle
2: Around my soul, inspecting me to see if I'm good to go. Red moon rises above the blue star
4: motel. anonymous refuse rise